Welcome to the online teaching ministry of Pastor Rob Ginter and Farmdale Baptist Church. For more content, visit us online at farmdalebaptist.com. Good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Acts. Chapter 1 is where we'll be this fine morning. Acts chapter 1 will be in verses 1 through 5 here in just a second. Imagine a world with no traffic jams. And if you've been to Frankfurt even once, you can't imagine what that world is like. As an outsider, I, I've, I have experienced it a little bit here. But G, that's how GM uh, unveiled their Cruise AV driverless car a few years ago. And um, a driverless car doesn't need a steering wheel or uh, gas or brakes or drivers or anything like that, um, because of that, it is fully automated, and we love automation. We absolutely love it. Let me tell you how lazy that, that we can be, or how much we love automation, right? They, they bring us our groceries to our doorstep. Used to, when we were savages, we went and made them put it in the back, and then and now they deliver it to our house. We've killed the middleman. He's dead. <laughs> so we love things like driverless cars. But last month, 20 of those driverless cars piled up on the freeway in San Francisco. They lost the message from home base and piled up. And traffic was blocked for several hours. Which is just a fine reminder that thinking that something is going to drive itself is going to just get in the way eventually. Now, I say that because as followers of Jesus, we can't pretend that his mission is going to carry itself out without the necessity of his people. The book of Acts will teach us just that, that his mission is not going to carry itself out. It will continue, and it will be through his people. We are that vehicle that he has planned to take his gospel to the world. It's not going to drive itself. It's not going to get there another way. There's got to be boots on the ground, skin in the game, however way you want to put it. It's going to be you. If you're a Christian, it's going to be you. In Luke's gospel, he told us the mission of Jesus in an Acts. We see that mission carried out by his followers. And in that, we see that since Jesus' mission continues, your mission continues. Your mission continues. So let's look at three aspects of that mission today in the beginning of the book of Acts as he sets the table for us. If you wouldn't mind and you're able to stand in the honor of the reading of the Holy Word of God. I ask that you would stand if you could. Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 5 says this In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word and the power of your spirit and the joy of your church. We pray that you would combine those things for the spread of the gospel in the world and that we ourselves would get in this all-important task. In Jesus' name, amen. You all can be seated. So if, if I'm going to tell you that Jesus' mission continues... You ought to ask, y'all ought to ask me one really big important question. What is the mission of Jesus? What is it? What is it anyway? If it's going to keep going, you might as well tell me what it is. Well, let's figure it out together, shall we, by the context. The book of Acts is written by a doctor. His name's Luke, and he's the companion, the personal doctor of the Apostle Paul. And in Luke 1 1, he tells us that this, his, his work in Luke, is a narrative of the things that have been accomplished. So, Luke, the gospel, the prequel to this sequel, is a narrative, a story, following along what has been accomplished. So, something in the gospel of Luke was accomplished. Here in the book of Acts, he tells them that this is about what Jesus began to do and teach, implying that it just started and it would continue. So something that was accomplished in Luke continues in Acts. What is that? Well, Luke 1, 1 tells it's a us it's a narrative of things that were accomplished in the end of the book of Luke, Luke 24. He uh, meets with a couple of disciples on the Emmaus road. And what does he do in Luke 24, 27? He interprets for them the scriptures, all things concerning himself. Then he meets with his disciples and this is what he said. And he said to them, thus is it written. This is Luke 24, 46. If you're curious, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. And on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So what was accomplished in the, in the book of Luke that is continued in the book of Acts? Well, let me tell you what was accomplished in the book of Luke. God is holy and righteous and just in all of his ways and everything he ever did is right and good. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And man decided to run his own life, to be his own God, to run this place. The Bible calls that sin. So what happened to that man who sinned against God and he said, pardon me, sir, I'll, I'll take your seat? Well, he is now guilty of rebellion against the God who created him. And what does he deserve in all his guilt? The punishment and wrath and fury of the Almighty God to be poured out on that creature. And is that what happened? 
No, not really. Because God became a man in the person of the Lord Jesus and he lived the perfect life and he died on the cross for all our rebellion against God and he rose on the third day. So what was accomplished in the book of Acts? That the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Rise from the dead. And what should continue in the book of Acts that was accomplished in the book of Luke? That the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That Jesus, God and man, lived and died in the place of the sinner, you. And he beat death on the third day, rising from the grave. And what should be proclaimed in the book of Acts? That you can turn from everything you've done against God and be forgiven of it and made right in the presence of a holy God. That is the message, the mission, together. You see, the mission is a message about forgiveness of sins and the repentance towards God. That is what we can do. That is what we must do. So what's the mission of the book of, of Acts? It's about a message. And we might get a little excited because the first 12 chapters, we run into the ministry of the Apostle Peter. So we might be like, maybe this guy is what this book is about because it talks about him all the time. Then verse, verse, uh, chapter 13 through 28, it transitions to a guy named Paul and we're like, maybe this is what this is about. Maybe it's about him. The mission of Jesus isn't about Peter, Paul, or you. That's what we see in the book of Acts. The Man goes in the ground. The mission goes on. We don't actually figure out what happens to Peter or Paul. But at the end of the book of Acts, the, the gospel is, has made it to Rome, the center of the known world. So that is the direction we go. And it informs our reading up here of the beginning that Acts is about Jesus' mission to spread the gospel via his followers. That's what it is. So that's, this is how he starts his account. He ties it to the gospel. It's written to a guy named Theophilus. means lo lover of God or loved by God. In verse 1, he says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And he's setting up the theme that we're going to be going through for many days ahead, if God allows and that is, is that this gospel that he has dealt with continues. The work is continuing. And if we want to continue in that, we have to understand this very important thing. Since his mission continues, our mission is focused on Jesus. Our mission is focused on Jesus. Jesus is central to this message, right? Peter, dead guy. Paul, dead guy. Jesus, formerly dead guy. Because how could a formerly dead guy continue something? He's in our hearts. Like my grandpa when he died, and I just think of him all the time, and I keep him alive. 
Is that what this is? We keep along his memories. We're sentimental. Is that what this is? No. That's not what this is. You see, in the book of Luke, you see the mission of the Lord Jesus carried out by Jesus. In the book of Acts, you see the mission of Jesus carried out by his followers. These aren't two things. They're one thing. So we as a church cannot exist in a meaningful way without a Christ focus in the mission that happens. Because we've tried, right? Churches have tried to do this. And they try to make the road to hell as comfortable as possible for the masses that fall off into the lake of fire. I'm saying, based on this, that is not good enough. And that is not the mission. That is not the mission. You see, what was the mission? Well, look back there in Luke chapter 24, verse 46. That repentance ought to be preached in His name to all nations. So how would He expect that to happen with 12 guys, millions of people on the earth? And you know what? You know what He gave those 12 guys? Lifespans. They're all dead. So what kind of a joke is giving a job to 12 people to reach the entire world? Unless it was given to more than just 12 guys. Hence where you come in. Where I come in. That's why this is the target that every arrow is aimed at. The message of the gospel centered on the Son. Because let me tell you what it's actually turned into. I don't know if, I don't think this place has, has those, but Jesus has turned into the American flag in many churches. And what, what do you mean by that? Well, what is the, how has the American flag impacted your life? Oh, it means so. Listen, it's a symbol. It's a symbol. It's something that, that we pledge to and we sing the national anthem at the beginning of the game. It doesn't really affect the game. So what Jesus has turned into a symbol for the church. A poster boy for the gospel. But that cannot be. Because he continues to work in his world. He is not a symbol. He is the life force of his mission. He is not a poster boy for us. Like when people shame the American flag and they burn it and they step on it and they do all these things, we're offended because they've treated a symbol shamefully. So when they make fun of Jesus, we're offended. But he's not a symbol. He's a living, breathing person who defeated death 
and now calls the shots in our everyday. He has to be that for us, for us to exist in any meaningful way. That's how we make decisions as people, as humans, as Christians, as a church. Is it focused on Jesus? Is it focused on Jesus? Or are what we're doing is making ourselves feel good while catering to worldly pursuits? Because the worldly pursuits kind of can make us feel good. If Jesus is a symbol and we go, go after what we'd rather get anyway, we can feel good for a minute and waste our time. We can't be satisfied in this. We can't be satisfied with running a public relations campaign to entertain dying men. There's too much at stake for this. A lot of the stuff we want to do shouldn't be done if it's based on, on this standard at all. And you personally, as we go through the book of Acts, has to challenge you to whether or not your focus is this focus. So since Jesus' mission continues, we have to be focused on him. And why is that the case? Because we are sent or directed by Jesus. Our mission is directed by Jesus. Notice verses 2 and 3. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. First thing we see in these two verses that we are sent with information. We're sent with information. So before Jesus is taken up to the Father, he gives commands to the apostles through his Holy Spirit. So an apostle as you all probably might know, is a sent one. And as you look at the book of Acts, we're going to learn the qualifications. You all have uh, deacon signups coming up. I see that in the bulletin. Uh, here's why you don't have apostle signups, if you're curious. Because none of you are that old. Like you could be the oldest one in here, but you can't sign up to be an apostle. I'm sorry to hurt your all's feelings. Because you're not that old. They had to be, as we see in the book of Acts, a witness to the resurrection to be qualified to be an apostle. And none of you are that old. So I'm sorry, you look good for your age. And the check's in the mail and all kinds of lies like that. <laughs> Another reason why our Bibles are not loose-leafed, okay? Because when these, these men could be carried by the Holy Spirit and they wrote these scriptures that we now hold or people associated with their apostolic band. They didn't have any drummers, but they were all writers in this apostolic band. And that is where we get our scriptures from. So there might not be modern day apostles. There might not be. They all died. But there are modern day sent ones. Modern day sent ones. We too have been given the same commands through the Holy Spirit and are sent. Verse 8, Jesus tells them they will be his witnesses. 
who aren't just going through the scriptures for fun or for our, our own benefit, but as we read this, it puts our head on a swivel in the ways that we are sent. It informs us that we are therefore sent. All of us. Given commands and sent. We have the information to go. And, and as you, you think through that, this shows us that none of us are elite. Right? There's not like levels, like trying to figure out who the elite Christians are in this room. I'm sorry, we're not going to have an arm wrestling competition. All of us are sent. And you go, well, I, I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't know some of the stuff that other people know. Uh, and some people talk about uh, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and stuff like that. And I don't necessarily know. Uh, I don't know that. Let me tell you, there is enough information with you and your Bible to go. In fact, oftentimes the question is not information, uh, but obedience. The question is, is, is obedience, not necessarily training. Training is good, and, and we have to get it, and we have to do it. We have to know our Bibles. We have to know what we're talking about, who we're talking about. We have to know these things. But are, are, are we really obedient to this sending? There's a story of a Chinese farmer. He, he, was, uh, he went to this missionary colony and he was blind. And they did this cataract surgery on him and they removed the cataracts from his eyes. And he could walk away seeing for the very first time. And the Chinese farmer went back to his village and then all of a sudden the doctors were operating one day and there's a knock at the door. And all of a sudden they saw the man, formerly blind. And he was carrying a rope with him. And gripping the rope was a line of blind men. You see that the farmer who was formerly blind didn't know anything about cataract surgery. He didn't know anything about how the physiology of the eye. But he knew where to go, where to get help, and he knew other people that needed it. He knew where the help was found, and he knew where the hopeless were. Question, do you know where hope is found? Do you know hopeless people? Do you know the hopeless? Do you know both hope and the hopeless? Well, let me help you out. I'll, I'll be your hope dealer here. That the, the God is holy and righteous and just and perfect in all of his ways and man sinned against him. God became a man in the person of Jesus and he died on the cross in the place of the sinner and beat death and rose on the third day. And he now commands forgiveness, uh, repentance to be preached in his name to all nations. So that gospel offer goes everywhere to everyone about someone 
who can save anyone. We are sent with this information. With this information. Not only that, we are sent, if you're rhyming, by revelation. Verse 3 points out why our focus must be on Jesus and our mission comes from him. Everything must be about him and why we're sent for him. Verse 3, it says, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So what, what is Luke saying here? Jesus appeared to them alive after death. That's why it's not an odd thing for you to have your focus on him and your purpose from him because he is alive after death. He was dead and he is alive. That's why we are sent by him. And let's be honest, we do a poor job of talking about someone who is dead and alive after that. Let me give you an example. If, if I'm up here and my high blood pressure finally gets me, right? If it finally overcomes me and I grab my chest and I fall down on the ground and there's some nurses in here and if you guys come up here and you find some of those paddles that you all probably have in your cars and you put that jelly on them and you rub them together. I heard they don't do that anymore. It's probably via Wi-Fi. Uh, but they rub them together and I'm up there and they split my, my shirt open and you guys are grossed out by that. And I'm laying down there on the ground and there I am with my belly out on the floor and they get those paddles and they yell, clear! Nothing. No pulse. Nothing. And then they, they rub those bad boys again. More jelly. Maybe we need more jelly. Pop those things together. Down on the chest. Pop. Clear. Oh, there's a heartbeat. There's a heartbeat. There's a heartbeat. And I, and I, and I get up out of the floor, button my shirt, apologize that you guys saw that. And then you get in your car. What are you going to talk about at Walmart? What are you going to talk about to your friends? The craziest thing happened. There was this new guy, and I don't think he's going to live very long because he was preaching, and he died in the middle of it. Brother needs some more blood pressure pills. Craziest thing. They were like standing over him, and they popped him in the chest with those wands, and he came back. Crazy. That's crazy. You go, okay, listen, though. Listen, listen. That was a resuscitation, not a resurrection. Let's clear that up. And that is not what happened to Jesus. Right? You legalists out there are popping me with that right now. Right? That was a resuscitation. That's not what happened to Jesus on the cross. He didn't swoon. He didn't just have a sore throat. Right? However, if that happened you would be affected by it. If you were affected by it, you would talk about it. You would do something based on something that happened that you were affected by. The principle is the same. There's 39 cents off a ground round, baby. Cut that coupon out. Let me tell you about this deal at Kroger. Things that happen that we're affected by change our life and it comes out of our mouth. 
That's just a principle that happens. Whether there's a sale at Kroger or, or a fat guy half dead in the middle of a sermon, we're affected by it, by that information. And we do something, we say something. We're affected by that. You wouldn't forget it. And everyone you know would know about it. And they would heard about it in a short time period if that happened. The question is, there has been a resurrection. Are there witnesses to the resurrection? And you go, you know what? I didn't actually, you see, actually, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it, really. I'm a Christian, but I didn't see the resurrection. What do you think happened to you then? Who do you think was talking to you? Who do you think was directing you to turn from the way you were living your life to say you're not the boss and you're not the direction provider for your life? Everything you're doing is wrong. Turn around and go the other way. What do you think happened to you? just crazy are you crazy just crazy or did somebody get out of the grave beat death rise again and his spirit gripped you and he took out your heart of stone and he replaced it with a heart of flesh. And did he move you to keep his commands? If that has happened to you, you have encountered one who was dead. Who was dead. You have encountered this one. But I, I know that life, life's hard. We've been sleep training a six-month-old. I know life's hard. Things hurt. You get calloused. You get people hurt you. Situations happen. You're not really affected by anything other than your own pain in a lot of time, at a lot of times, right? Your own struggles. They become big. Our problems become big and, and we, we're not affected by a resurrected Jesus. You see, that's why this gospel that's supposed to go to all nations is one of repentance, according to the book of Luke. So we need to repent of not being affected by a resurrection before we repent of not opening our mouths about a risen Jesus. So let this be a cause for us to repent. Turn from not being affected by a resurrected Jesus and being affected by a whole lot of other things that don't, as they say in Moorhead, don't amount to a hill of beans. That means it doesn't really mean much at the end of the day. We need to be obedient to these commands to be his witness. You see, if he were 
to have this mission, to reach the entire world with this gospel of forgiveness of sins and repentance towards God, if he did that, how, let's, let's talk strategy here this morning, how would he reach your family? How would he do it? Just strategically, how would he do it? Would he call a new pastor to the church and be like, hey, can you go talk to my cousin? Do you think that's what he would do? You know, if we're playing the game six degrees of Kevin Bacon, there is several degrees closer in relationship to your cousin than a guy that they've never met. I mean, maybe they'd hear it from me. But you know who they'd probably hear from better? You. You. Do we, we, I, I welcome you to feel this pressure to represent the Lord Jesus as a sent one in your families and in your workplaces. So as a, as a church, if we were like, how are we going to reach the people where, where at this business? Well, do we have any sent ones from Farmdale at that business? Do we have any sent ones there? Oh, well, here's the problem. We have some there. They just don't know that they're sent. Well, this is me from the scriptures to you that you are sent with a message of repentance of sin and the forgiveness of those things. You're like, how, how are we going to do it? How, how would we do that? Well, since his mission continues, our mission is focused on Jesus, our mission is directed by Jesus, and our message is empowered by Jesus. Verses 4 and 5. We see here the example and command to go in verses 4 and 5, the provision for our going. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. As somebody smart once said, we've seen the Great Commission, and now we see the great equipment. There's a commission, and there's the equipment to do so. Hundreds of millions of people on the earth, 12 guys who with shady, like the, the can't pass background checks, like, so tell me about your ministry experience. Well, I followed Jesus for three and a half years and um, they killed him. We all ran scared. Oh, let's get another pastoral candidate. This one, uh, this one's been in hiding, hiding. Let's, let's get one that goes out in public. Can we? Can we at least get one that goes out in public? Because this one's been hiding in, in the, in the shed. See, he says, don't even try to witness to someone about me. Don't, don't even go. Don't even do it. Just stay. Stay. Until you have the Holy Spirit. Don't even try it. Until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The same way that John immersed you in, in water, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So this is what he does for his followers here. And you go, well, what, what is this baptism in the Holy Spirit? What, what is that? 
you know, I got a cousin, and they said they're baptized in the Spirit too, and that's when they got their prayer language. Is that what it is? Well, I think we should answer that question from our Bibles. What happened in Acts chapter 2? Well, in Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place, and the Spirit descended on them, and then they began to speak in languages that people there could understand. People from all over the world were in Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden, the Spirit comes to these people, and they are able to preach the gospel in languages that people understand. So what are we doing here? We're using the context of the book of Acts to help us understand what he's talking about by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, and what's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked that one too. The Holy Spirit comes on people and the gospel goes out of people. You see that in Acts chapter 2. That's what happens. So whatever he's, whatever your cousin with his closet prayer language is talking about, that's not what Luke's talking about. Luke's talking about the Holy Spirit coming on these disciples and the gospel going out of these people. So the principle for us, right, is that we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. The gospel is not going to go out of us without the Holy Spirit inside of us. So how do we get baptized with the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. That, 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 that I told you earlier, right? That God's holy and, and we're not. And Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. And he commands us to turn from our sin and trust in him. If you turn from your sin and trust in him, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's shorthand for you. You'll actually be a Christian. You'll be a Christian. That's what that is. You know who's not baptized in the Holy Spirit? Non-Christians. You know who is baptized in the Holy Spirit? Christians. So what that is, is power for the mission that we've been called on. So we have the mission and we have the power to carry it out because we possess the Holy Spirit. Example of that is in Romans 8, verse 9. He says, you, however, are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So once again, who are the elite among us in here? The people that are on platforms? People with roles, titles? Who are the elite among us? None of us. Or all of us, depending on how you want. Let's, all of us, let's do that one, let's do that one. All of us are elite. And that's not a participation trophy thing that we're talking about. Like, like we all have what we need from God to do what God has called us to do. Who's the elite Christian? All of them. How many of them can sing hymns on the way to the stake that they'll get burned at? All of them. All of them. All of them. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens to every Christian to equip you to carry out the mission. 
that Christ has given you to be his witness. And I know saying these things triggers a lot of experiences that we've had in the past and a lot of things that people have said. But notice Romans 8 and what happened in the outcome of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit doesn't show off the individual. The Holy Spirit doesn't show off the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows off the gospel from the person. See the difference there? So if we're doing like holy gymnastics up here, it's probably a bad day. Right? It's probably a bad day. But what is it? It's actually power for what we have. What Jesus is telling us is what we have to do, we can do. We can do. We can do it. Here's what I put before you. Will you? Will you? You see, you can. The question is, will you do it? That means you have what it takes to be used by God. Are you going to not be an audience of Christ? Are you going to be a part of the body of Christ? Because the illusion that there's some type of audience in the church is false. There's no audience. God can use all of us. Will you be used by him. You have the power to do so. Might it be that you're not impacted by a resurrection? Like, think about the, what's covering it up, right? Like, what's the cataract, so to speak, on that? What are we dealing with in that regards? Maybe you're not concerned about the mission. Maybe you're concerned about your mission. Well, that's a cause to repent as this is the reason you are here. Not in this building, but on this earth. Maybe you're not impacted by a resurrection. Maybe you need to repent that. Maybe you, you've lost the smell of the reality of hell and the eternal destinies of human beings. Because behind all of this is the judgment of God poured out on sinners on its way. And a life-giving message of life from the dead to all the Christians for all the world. Are you going to be faithful in this? Are you going to be faithful? Let me, let me encourage you with this. The stuff that he wrote about, and you don't have to accomplish it. You don't have to accomplish anything. Read the book of Luke. It's about what's already been accomplished. It's about what's already been accomplished. Let me take a little weight off your shoulders here. This is not like go do, go do, right? Jesus did. Everything was already accomplished. Now, his mission continues. Your mission continues. He's our focus. He's our sender. He's our empowerer. I don't know if this is English or not, but are you a goer? 
Are you a goer? If you're not a Christian, this sounds like a, uh, a, pep, a pep speech for mailmen, you know, like, hey, guys, we got all this stuff and got to get out there, you know, so uh, get your mail satchels and get in your things and get off your phones and, and drive. But it's not as, as simple as that. Because what is on top of this is an overarching reality that the holy God who created everything deserves and is valued to be worshipped by his creatures. He deserves the worship of every human being alive. But the problem is, is that we worship ourselves. We set forth how we want to live our lives. And you go, well, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. You know what? Everyone is doing the best they can. And the Bible says this, there's a way that seems right to a man. And in the end is death. So the problem is all those people out there that are doing the best they can, they are driving as fast as they can to the cliff that they will fall off of. See, the wages of sin is death. They keep working at, at their lives to improve themselves, all the self-help and self-centered encouragement. The wages of sin is death. So you work and the paycheck comes. You, you try your best and, and what comes is your own death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because that holy God that we have been separated from by everything that we've done, He came for us. He came to us in the person of the Lord Jesus. And He died on the cross, taking our punishment on Him. And He rose on the third day, victorious over life, death, hell, and the grave, and everything in between. And now He, alive again, commands that we turn from living our life the way we want to, that we turn from trying our best, because all of those things end in our ruin. And then we turn from, to Him. Trust, bank our entire life, the direction and our day-to-day -day on Him. So if you're not a Christian, that's what all this is about. That God has offered you salvation and forgiveness for everything you've done in the person of Jesus. Maybe somebody hasn't told you, right? Maybe the, the, the goers, like the people that were supposed to go with that message, maybe they were playing Tetris on their phones, obsessed with themselves and their own problems. Meanwhile, that person knows you're soon to be in hell. Well, you know what? The message isn't about them. The message isn't about failed Christians, Christians who haven't told you the gospel the message is about what jesus has done in your place for your sins if you are a christian it is time that we stop watching and we start going and doing what the lord jesus has had and called us to do let's pray father thank you so much for your word we ask that you would save those among us that do not know you we ask that you would get their eyes off of people who are not in on the mission. Not being 
gripped by the truth of a resurrection. And Lord, I ask that you would grip us by one who has risen from the dead in supernatural ways. Please change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.